save the rebellion, save the dream. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Craig Peters, welcome. Hey, Luke. And also joining me, we have Dwayne Eckholm, who's returning to the podcast. You've been on the Star Trek and the Warcraft podcast. Welcome back for Star Wars Rogue One. Thank you for having me again. It's great to be here. Always glad to have you on. I understand that you're doing a little bit of streaming now. We'll have to discuss that at the end of the podcast, but I look forward to finding out a little (laughs) bit more about your stream. Awesome. Let's talk about Rogue One. This is a prequel to the epic franchise that we've come to know and love. Craig, what are your thoughts? Actually, it's a squeakquel. It's a squeakquel? Okay, yes. I'll give you that. It's... That makes sense. <laughs> or or is, there, between... is there a sandwich word we can use? A yeah. sandwich, <laughs> sandwich movie? Sandwich movie. No, that doesn't work. Sandwich doesn't work. Squeakquel yeah. is probably better. Squeakquel. This is a right. squeakquel's the best, but there's a so it's a subway between the two groups of movies, but... Yes, they squeaked it in between. It, it takes place almost 19 years after the end of the last of the of the later first three trilogies. <laughs> if we don't want to confuse ourselves even more, correct? <laughs> exactly. You don't want to confuse yourself too much. But this takes place uh, months before the uh, original franchise. The a new a new hope Star Wars a new hope the original franchise done in uh, begun in 1977 if that helps you that's what and, I was going for right and fascinating enough fascinating enough they add in some of the some of the interesting nice characters from from New Hope in this film uh, sometimes to no avail but mostly it's it's pretty darn good so you see a few of your old favorites but what really makes this one good is this guy did not use a formula he just he made a good a really good movie he took he took the elements from from star wars and made a movie out of it instead of trying to make our force a star wars movie so so it's a good movie good characters people that you really get interested in you see them on the screen plenty of time and there's this wonderful character development so uh so yeah this one my first impression is this one this one is the movie that they uh that should have been ma- should have been made uh, and it and it works out great that's my first impression okay Dwayne, what'd you think of it i i have to agree agree in a lot of cases it, it definitely it's it's a star wars movie but not really a star wars movie it's very well done gareth edwards did a fantastic job of making a basically a war movie in space and on the ground, which seems weird because, you know, you, but if you've seen the movie, the third act, the big, the big fight, it's, it's going on in two different fronts and it, it's just crazy. There's, and it lasts there, forever, which is awesome. Yes. 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 And the, the level of detail throughout the whole thing is fantastic. Um, there's, there's just a lot of interesting characters. They're, they're not, for a movie that we basically knew the ending for before it even started, because, you know, a new hope tells us they get, they get the plans 
and it's like we we knew what it what what the end result was going to be yet you still end up finding yourself rooting for these characters because the characters are interesting they're well acted they uh, and they just uh they they kind of come off come off the screen and and so it was as somebody who's not as steeped in the star wars lore as maybe i am other franchises it was a great movie i think whether you're a really big into the star wars lore or just somebody that wants to be entertained for two hours it was it was a fantastic movie i have a love-hate relationship with the star wars franchise primarily because from kindergarten or first grade i had people telling me i am your father so i what I am your father. Exactly. So that's not such a joke. I actually did that when we worked together. It's something that that I have never escaped. That's why I have a love hate relationship with the Star Wars (laughs) franchise. It might be why I'm tipped in favor of Star Trek versus Star Wars. It actually took me a minute on the uptake to realize why you were saying that. That it's like, oh, wait, his name is Luke. Yeah. Yes, apparently I was the one that just woke up or something. uh, Yeah, not Craig, who overslept. (laughs) Um, uh, Between Luke, I am your father, or Luke, like Luke Skywalker, I have heard that as long as I can remember. I've always considered you a whiny teenage boy. That's mm, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I actually really love this film. I loved... The epic scale, the battles that Dwayne mentioned, I loved the characters. I loved the plot. I actually liked how it ended. This, I haven't decided where this ranks, but this is definitely up there in the Star Wars franchise for me. Maybe I'll have come to a decision by the time we're done discussing it. Uh, the basic premise of this movie is that Jin Erso Spoil- is... Spoiler alert, though? Are, are we putting a spoiler alert on this? The entire episode is a spoiler the, alert. Oh, okay, okay. The entire episode. If you have not watched the movie and you're listening Luke, to this podcast, you may want to watch the movie first. Luke has real trouble holding his tongue, so we just always uh, have spoilers yes. alert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just this uh, consideration <laughs> for the audience, I thought, you know, maybe we should... That yeah. was awesome, Dwayne. You, you, yeah, he didn't do it yet. So, The premise of this story is that we have Jin Erso, played by Felicity Jones. She's the main character of the story, but her father is portrayed by Mads Mikkelsen, or he plays Galen Erso. I guess we found out where he went after being eaten alive by Doc, in the Doctor Strange movie. He ended up in a galaxy far, far away. But anyways, farming, no less. If, I know, right? A scientist slash engineer who's farming because he's trying to ex- escape the influence of the Empire and not contribute to the Death Star. And we see him take captured and taken to work, and the little girl is left on her own. And she, and then all we see her rescued. By Forrest Whitaker, uh, who plays Sa Guerrera, and then all of a sudden we cut to her being adult and she's not with him. What did you think of uh, Felicity Jones as Jin, and what did you think of how the story developed, Craig? I loved Felicity Jones as as Jin. I thought, I mean, from the very first, she's got she she captures the screen. I mean, I, I thought for her character was engaging. She she was alive. She understood and knew her character extremely well. Uh, I I was I was enthralled with her. In fact, 
I have a question though for you then, Craig, because I know you weren't as big a fan as Daisy Ridley in um, as Ray in The Force Awakens. For these two female leads, which do you prefer? Oh, I unconditionally Felicity, uh, unconditionally. Uh, I like Daisy Ridley. I I, I enjoyed her, but she didn't seem like she understood the Star Wars world or the Star Wars role where. Um, I think Felicity did from the from the from the get go. She was she was really the character I would want to see. I would have wanted to see that character in the Force Awakens again. I can't I cannot blame uh, Daisy because who knows what the director wanted. Uh, Abrams is not. I like some of the stuff he does. I also don't like some of the stuff he does. Um, I'm beginning to really love Gareth. Though. I mean, uh, Gareth Edwards directed this one. He did such a great job and brought out the, these characters the way I wanted to see them from the original three films. I mean, that whole ca whole characterization he had uh, that uh, Lucas had and the whoever else worked with him, uh, that felt like it was part of this 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 story. It wasn't it wasn't trying to force characters on on me like it felt like in the Force Awakens. Force characters on me. Yeah, sorry about that. But <laughs> so yes, I'm I'm definitely a uh, even a bigger Felicity Jones fan than I was after seeing this. And what did you think of the plot and the search for her father? Uh, I thought it was, I mean, I'm a big fantasy fan and science fiction fan. Star Wars has always been more fantasy because they don't deal with the science. Though this one actually leaned a little more to the science fiction edge of it. Um, she, it was, it's the fantasy quest idea. There's always... Yeah, nearly always some type of quest, and of and course, Darth Vader's was... castle looked like something straight out of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it did indeed. It most definitely I, did. Where's and... the Eye of Sauron? I, was I know. I I, I I was looking for was... it, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, so for who... her to have a quest and trying to find her father—that's a natural. That's a natural for all all youngsters. They all want to find their father, and and so it just it it felt it felt like you know, it's something I've seen before, but. It, the way the way they set it up that this guy was a was was a originally a like a bad a bad scientist who created this death star idea and then decided this was wrong that this was a terrible thing and deciding that he was going to he was going to go, uh find some way to foil the plot it's like some a couple of those old uh hitler movies or where where someone was going to develop some super weapon but it was going to turn it he was going to turn it around and use it on the the Germans. There are some old movies and, and um, stories about that, and that felt like this. It, it felt it felt just kind of awesome, I guess. <laughs> okay, Dwayne, what do you think of Felicity as uh, Jin? How do you compare her to Daisy in The Force Awakens? And what did you think of her quest? I thought Felicity Jones did a great job uh, of bringing bringing the character of Jin Erso to life on the screen. For me, I guess I didn't really have any didn't really watch much of the the trailers going in so i didn't realize how how big a role she was going to be in this that she was basically the focal point of, of the, or the main character of the story and i i think she she did what you want a the, the like the leading presence in a movie to be to like interacting with all the characters it, it worked well uh it seemed natural. It seemed in place. It seemed just like a story, and it was easy for you to get caught up in the story, as opposed to like, 
oh, this feels clunky, or I don't know what this person's doing, or I don't get why this is going on. And so I thought, I thought, I thought she did a great job. And, and, and actually I think it, I think she improved kind of as the movie went along and, and I don't know. And I kind of like liken this to the, the, the comments about uh, Daisy Ridley, which is that I, I feel like maybe it was the script or something that just allowed for that to happen. But it just... I think part of it is also how the movie was sort of set up where we spent like 20 minutes with cut screens. There wasn't a lot of time for character development at the beginning of the movie because we kept jumping yeah. all over the galaxy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I could definitely see that. I mean, there was definitely some jumping at the beginning of this, uh, uh, well, of Rogue so you One know, Dwayne, as well. It's always easy to blame the director because they're the, they're the easiest target. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, no doubt. But I mean, there, like, like I was saying, there, there was definitely a bunch of jumping around as, as, as Gareth Edwards kind of put the pieces in place and kind of introduced us to these characters. But it, it felt like once we knew who all the players were, then the focus of the film switched back to Jen Urso and was just kind of we just followed her the rest of the way and, and it just worked really, really well. And it, the, the plots going to, you know, find finding this, uh, the message and then going to try and find her father, I thought was, was very much kind of within the realm of possibility that that's, that, that, that makes sense given what the, what the characters knew and, 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 and it seemed interesting and and definitely was engaging all the way up and through that through the battle on uh, on the, with at, at the end of that portion of the movie felicity starred opposite diego luna who play, played cassian andor uh, as the male lead of the film a, a rebel spy who they don't start off on the greatest uh, of terms but as uh, the story develops and he and his K2SO android or robot, the three of them go on their adventure in search of her father. I really liked him in the role. I thought that they had chemistry, but I also liked how it, w it took the entire movie for them to get to the point where at the end, when they're in the final scenes together, they're at that point. I thought it was a great arc that they put just for like the relationship standpoint, but independently, I thought that Cassian was a very intriguing character. I liked that he was dark. I liked that there was mystery behind him. I also liked the fact that in key moments, we got to find out that a little bit more about his history and the fact that he had been fighting since a child uh, Dwayne, what did you think of him in the role? I thought Diego Luno did a great job with this character. I thought the character was very well done. And as, as someone who was really critical about kind of the forced relationship between kind of the male and, and female leads or co-leads in other movies, <clears throat> Warcraft, this <laughs> seemed perfectly natural. And, and g given given how the movie ends, it makes perfect sense. And everything that they had been through, it, it didn't feel rushed. And he he was interesting. You reminded me a little bit of Han Solo, which I'm sure was is intentional. Kind of, it was definitely intentional. And, you know, he good looking guy and knows how to how to fight. And I mean he just it was 
everything you'd expect kind of in a Star Wars movie as kind of the 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 male lead. I, I, what, I liked the character and I liked the actor that played him. Craig, what are your thoughts on him? Well, I like the fact that they didn't throw it into a, I mean, if they'd gone with the the immediate attraction that you knew, you knew immediately that Han Solo and uh, and Princess Leia were going to have have a fling. I didn't I didn't get that sense that they were immediately throwing the director wasn't immediately throwing them together. I liked the fact that he was a he was a bad boy, but he was already part of the rebellion, so he really believed in it. I wasn't sure that he was totally committed to the rebellion, which is good. But he's he's a um, a, a bad boy who who uh, kind of doesn't seem to even like her in the beginning, and I I really like that. I like the fact that that uh, uh, I, I wasn't distracted. I thought I'd be distracted by the fact he has a, a Spanish or Hispanic accent. I, I like that. Actually, that fit in pretty well, even though I was a little worried about it before I walked into the movie. And uh, even his look was just, just right for the role. He was a pilot. He was a, he was a bad boy. He was a little edgy. He, he did, you weren't sure that he was completely a good guy, which is, of course, Han Solo all over. Because, I mean, <laughs> if you go back to the original film, Han Solo shot first. Uh, not not Greedo, and you you, you knew that uh, this character could do the same thing. He could be the one that shot first. Cassian Andor, even the name is right. It just the, the it fits. Though I can't think of there's I don't know there's something in the Star Wars uh, lore with Andor, so I want to look that up at some point in time. But yeah, I like this character. I like the way it was played. I like the way it was directed. Um, uh, pretty much everything about it. Even when he pulled back and didn't take the shot, he didn't take the shot and kill, kill Jin's father, which is a real spoiler. But um, I, that even that felt right for this specific character. So, one of the things that I love about Star Wars is how engaging they make their robots. R two D two, C three PO, are both characters that are beloved characters in part because they provide humor and serious moments. But because, but also because Star Wars has a way of making them personal. And I thought that they did a, this film did a really good job with the K2SO character. The way they developed it, now granted, we didn't, I, to my knowledge, we don't see that model in any of the later movies. But what they did in this film with this character, I really liked it. I actually felt in the scene where he ends up going down... I was like, no, this can't be happening. I want him to survive. And that's for a robot. What did you think of the cameos by R2-D2, C-3PO, and then this the role of K2SO, Dwayne? The K2 robot was great. It's, it's a reprogrammed Imperial droid that has a bit of an edge to him, according to, uh, to Cassian. It's the reprogramming gives him a bit of an edge, but it was it was funny. He talks about their odds of survival many times throughout this, and and yes, it, it was a great comic relief. It, it definitely reminds you of of C three PO and and R two D two from the original films, and was not overused either. And and you definitely like you said near the end of the film when when the k2 robot ends up being kind of the helping to save the day and and, and keep 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 our uh, our main characters going you you do kind of feel like oh 
man, this is this is this really this really kind of tugs at you a little bit. So I I, I liked how I liked how they used it. It's it seems like they've got to have a cool robot droid in all these movies. It was BB-8 last year, and now the K the K2 robot was 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 quite well done as well. Craig, what'd you think? Well, first of all, what what what? This robot was played by Alan Tudyk, who played Watt in Night's yes. Tale. Uh, He's a fantastic he was, actor. I will watch him is, in anything. He was in Serenity, in, uh, Serenity and Firefly, the, the TV show and the movie. He, this guy is—he's—he's he's amazing. He's the only guy that could have pulled off the the role in the Jackie Robinson biopic not too long ago because he played a bad guy. Um, because everyone loves him so much, it didn't destroy his career. Basically, Alan Tudyk is just—he's—he's he's amazing, and he was amazing in this robot. And the cool thing is uh, that Gareth, if he had done the the C three PO thing, where where he's always quoting the stats on how what survival is, they didn't. They left it to where he's just saying almost none, or or very little, or it's dropped, whatever. Um, so they did not, they did not make it the C-3PO clone. They, they gave this, they twisted this it a little, they twisted, they gave him personality of his, uh, personality of his, of his own. He was able to, he's the comic relief to the entire film. I mean, it looks like this film was going to go dark, which it has to, and it did, but yes, I was, you know, I was, I'm, who knows, maybe, maybe sometime in the future they can resurrect this character, but it's unlikely the way they destroyed him but but still he is he's a he's a Tudyk did a great job the the uh, the droid is a great character he, he's part of the film instead of just being kind of a kind of an add-on uh bb8 i thought was kind of an add-on just a cutesy thing for the kids this is not a kid's film and i no. never i never believed after the first two films that star wars should go for the kids. I mean, it just is not. It's an adult series. Some kids love it, but then they threw in the Ewoks and completely destroyed the whole thing for me. Uh, oh, come on. The Ewoks uh, are cute. That's probably because you were a kid when they came on the screen. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure all those were out before I was born. Weren't I don't they? know, but anyway. When did the U I'd have to double check the time. Yes, but the, the, the Ewoks were thrown in there for kids, and, and some there's some rumor that they ran out of fur, so they couldn't make lots of Wookiees. They made Ewoks instead because they because they didn't need to take as much fur. I don't know how true that is. That's probably some kind of <clears throat> old wives' tale or or scuttlebutt or whatever uh, cliche you want to use. But but anyway, I hated the Ewoks. I thought they totally screwed up. I mean, come on, those little those little spears they had. Little, oh my god. Oh, the 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 premise of them are stupid, but they're just so cute. They are cute. Yes, they are cute in a kids' movie. And if they'd brought him in much later, but this is supposed to be an adult series of films, in my opinion. And guess what? This film, more so than than uh, Force Awakens, this is an adult film made for adults, and it's I've PG thirteen or whatever. It's not. It's not. It's not designed for little kids to get a giggle when Jar Jar Binks comes on the screen. I hate was... Jar Jar Binks. As I, and was, I, I think everyone would defend me in that point. Yes, there, there was, there was a couple kids that were in the in the showing that I saw, and and how crazy is it that it took Disney taking over the franchise to create probably the darkest of the Star Wars movies? I know, I've that's one of the it's, commentaries that I've heard is that people are surprised that this movie came from Disney. Yeah. Ugh. 
to to the point about K2, the the scene when Cassian and Jin are getting ready to leave to go find her father and they're talking about uh, Cassian giving her a blaster. That's, and and the, the comment, yeah. it, it's just great. The, to your point, it's not actual numbers. It's, oh, very high. She's going to use it on you. And then <laughs> very, very high. It's, gonna... <laughs> well, it's just great. It's just great. Their search for their father brings them to a planet where there is a temple and that is being raided for kyber crystals. And Which is the force powering the Death Star. Correct. And there they meet a warrior, two warriors, shall we say? Uh, this is one of the this is one of the parts of it that I was a little bit confused in the movie. So I, if you guys could explain it to me, I would appreciate it. We have um, Donnie Yen who played Chirrut, and we had Wen Jiang who played Baze. Now, Chirrut, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is a blind, almost Jedi. That's the part I wasn't sure about because obviously he had a connection of some sort to, to the force because he had been a guardian of the temple, but he wasn't a Jedi per se, but these two ended up having just as much of a meaningful dynamic slash relationship. There was the possible implication that they might be romantically involved, but they didn't actually go so far as to say it. If they hadn't, then these were two men who had been through a lot of wars together because they had a really intense connection. But clarify for me what Chirrut's role was. It Was he basically an almost Jedi, or was he someone who just didn't make it? What did you guys get from the film, Craig? Well, he could have been, I mean, he wasn't a Jedi. That's, that's clear. Correct. Because Je Jedis have a connection with the force that, uh, and a direct connection with the force. This guy through the but entire it, thing was, was chanting. So, but it, and in his, and see, that was what I wasn't sure about. Cause in his second scene, he comes in and the way he handles that second scene and takes everybody down. Yes. Th that was like, obviously there's some sort of force connection there. Oh, he does have a connection. Jedi. But it's not that that automatic connection that comes with being a full Jedi. Okay. Look at it this way. Let's say that it's possible. I don't know for sure, so I'm not. Uh, it's possible that he might have been the one, the one um, trainee that that uh, Anakin Skywalker may have missed and escaped, and so he had to. Con he had. Uh, um, with he had a connection. He had knowledge, but, but he had knowledge, but not experience. experience. Yeah, Got exactly. It. So let's let's say that that's a possibility. It, okay. It's something like that. He may have he may have been trained by a Jedi, ready to take him to to the uh, the big planet, Padawan and, school. Yes, the Padawan school, something like that. So he obviously believed in the Force extremely strongly, but but wasn't actually uh, hadn't reached Jedi status, something like that. So I love that character, by the way. I mean, it was he was he uh, was probably my favorite character of the whole movie. I can see that he was he was certainly one of my favorites because I love the Jin and Cassian dynamic, but for me, he he brought the the force element to the film and did it in a way that provided character, which is something that a lot of times when I've watched Star Wars film, you you hear about the force and you see it in action, but you don't actually you think of it as a blunt tool or instrument because you're seeing it in the form of lightsabers you don't necessarily think of it as something that is actually meaningful because it's just already there and existing at least for me where in this case 
he he conveyed a me it as meaningful i don't know if that makes sense if i'm explaining that correctly but that was how i took it but finish you never met you, yoda huh well i met yoda <laughs> i met yoda but even when you see like even when you see yoda you see him in those scenes and he's a master who can manipulate everything and so you sort of just take it for granted that he's badass this is a person who you don't take it for granted and you look at what he's struggling to get to be able to commune with it, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. And, and so it makes the relationship more personal, at least from my observation. Chirut Imwe, that's the way I would pronounce it. There I'm is sure no, that, that there is a reason why I did not pronounce, try to pronounce his last name because there would be Understood. no way. <laughs> but Imwe is almost, almost undoubtedly it's that, but are very close. But what, what really thrilled me about him was the relationship between he and Baze Malbus. I mean, there's there may be a love interest there, or they may just be the best of friends or cousins or something, but it's just terrific. That relationship that they have, that that basically Baze takes care of someone that really doesn't need a lot of taking care of, and vice versa, I'm sure. So they satisfy some need with each other. And it felt it felt so right. It felt like authentic. a chewy. It mm -hmm. felt like Chewie and and uh, Han Solo. That's that's how authentic and how real it felt. There's a there's a real uh, a love between the two of them, and it did. It felt really authentic. Uh, the only thing that threw me off with Baze is that gun of his. Why haven't they had that? That gun would have been really a good thing to have in the later movies, the early later earlier later movies. Quit trying movie. to confuse me, Craig. Quit trying to confuse me, Dwayne. What did you think of both these characters, and what did you think of their relationship? Well, the the way they introduced them uh, in the in the kind of the marketplace of Jeddah was 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 quite good. Uh, talking about uh, Kurt hearing that she's that that Jin is wearing a necklace, even though there you know it's underneath her clothes, and so there's really no way he could have seen it. In addition to the fact that he's blind, but just the ability to kind of come across as really mysterious, and then they. Uh, you know, or end up getting caught in this firefight, and these two come out, and 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 you see uh, Chirrut just start going, take taking down stormtroopers, even even though he's blind, just by listening, and and it was just amazing, and the way those two uh, worked off each other, Chirrut and Bays, throughout the entire movie was just amazing. Like Craig said, it 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 was it it reminded you of like a a a buddy cop sort of situation or something. And it was just like, it, you liked every time they were on the screen and, and it, and it, it, it kind of made, I think both characters more real and more interesting that they worked together and that they kind of fed off one another and, and all the way until the, the very end of the film. So while they're visiting Jetta, they end up running into her, sort of adoptive father, the man who rescued her after her her biological father was captured. This was one of those things where I was really concerned going in because in the trailers, Forrest Whitaker looked like he was going to be doing a lot of scenery chewing. And anybody who knows about anything about scenery chewing knows that there's good scenery chewing and bad scenery chewing, and sometimes the line between those two can be very thin. And it looked like bad scenery chewing in the trailers. But I actually, I actually liked him in this role. He came in, he ate a bunch of scenery, but it was enjoyable. Craig, what did you think of Forrest Whitaker as Sagarera? Dude, it's Forrest Whitaker. 
what I was afraid of. You know, every time I see a movie, it seems at some point in time, they throw in Samuel L. Jackson for sometimes no apparent reason. Just because yeah. they need a, a Samuel L. Jackson character. Sometimes like a previous sense. Star Wars movie? Like the previous Star Wars movie. Oh, there's Samuel L. Jackson. He wanted to be part of Star Wars. He's a, you know, everybody loves him. Let's put him in. And it just seems like he doesn't fit. Forrest Whitaker, on the other hand, uh, he's he's really a great actor. And he just, not that Samuel L. Jackson isn't, but I'm saying Forrest Whitaker is really a great actor. And they put a character in that needed to be there. And the character had to be different. He had to be a little unusual. So we could see that, you know, something interesting was going on. The Originally, when he rescues Jen, which he does, you know, you're, you're right. It seemed like Forrest Whitaker. But later on, when they bring him back and, and he and basically she's hunting him down and finds him, he he's so I forgot that it was Forrest Whitaker. And that's that's a sign of a great actor. When you forget who the actor is, you know, he's 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 he's. He's got the role. He's really there. Again, I'm going to give part of the credit to, to Edwards. I'm going to give part of the, part of the credit to Forrest Whitaker because he's so good. But uh, he, he, was, he was even hard to understand, but I wanted to understand every word so, so much. Uh, and, and, and he was... He wasn't as bad as Bane in the... He was nowhere movies. near as bad as Bane. <laughs> nowhere near as bad. I could care less what Bane was saying, frankly, but, but I still, you know... I, I that struggled. was my biggest gripe about that film. I couldn't understand a word Bane <laughs> said. It's like, why am I wasting all this time? I know. What the hell did he say? I want to see it with captions on sometime. I didn't like that movie. I love the second movie. didn't like the third movie. I want to see it with captions on so I can actually understand anything he said. But Forrest Whitaker in this... He was he was beaten down. He was he was on on life support, you know, carrying life support with him to keep him alive. And I just got again the engagement I had, the seeing what he went through and what the hell he had been through, being part of the rebellion. Once again, a kind of edgy part of the rebellion, and the fact that he had saved Jin. Of course, that helps a lot. And when he explains why he had to do what he did, I'm just saying, oh, I mean, I got my heart involved in that, and so. Uh, again, it's Forrest Whitaker. It's not some some accidental throwing in of some some actor that we all care about. It, it's Forrest Whitaker who makes makes me always like a film more. So yeah, he did he did it. He was terrific. His performance was great. His character was awesome. Even the weird hair that he's got didn't throw me off because it felt right. So again, part direction certainly a great part of it's Forrest Whitaker. And I, I you know I I don't know that I've ever seen him in anything I didn't like him. Uh, Dwayne, what'd you think? I liked Forrest Whitaker a lot, and he was definitely kind of, you know, one of the people that you you notice during the the trailers. And but he's not one of those actors. And I think this is what Craig was alluding to that that you that that suddenly it's Forrest Whitaker in the movie. It's you know Forrest Whitaker is playing this character and you 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 quickly forget that it's somebody you know a bigger name sort of actor and it suddenly becomes you know Sa Guerrera and and he's he he looks you know broken down and he's got this face mask thing and he's tough to kind of under he's a little tough to understand and got a gravelly voice and i mean he just he he fit he fit the movie and it was it was very much he he was very much as interesting and and integral to the part as everything else and just the scenes that you know when he's interacting with other with with the other characters it was just it was 
it, it felt it felt right. It felt exactly like you would expect it to be. And and there was no, oh my God, there's you know Forrest Whitaker in this movie. It was it was it was just. This is Sagarera, and this is what it looks like if you have to deal with the Imperial for for your entire life, the Empire, the entire life. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about villains. We had three primary villains in this film. Ben Mendelsohn played Orson Krennic, who was pretty much the through-line villain. We got we saw him at the beginning when. Galen Erso was captured. We see him as he's going through and uncovering who is leaking the secrets about the Death Star and trying to thwart the Death Star's building. The second villain we had was Grand Moff Tarkin, who was a CGI version of Peter Cushing, um, which there has been some mixed reaction to that. We'll dive into that. And then we got a good old cameo by Darth Vader, voiced, of course, by James Earl Jones. I'm sure that after the last Star Wars movie and not getting any residuals on that, he's going to appreciate getting some residuals from this one. (laughs) Craig, what did you think of Krennic, Tarkin, and Vader? Uh, Rich Little, where are you when we need you? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I could have dealt... I could have dealt with this horrible CGI version of Peter Cushing. Now, Peter Cushing is a classic look. I've loved him in Sherlock Holmes. Uh, I loved him in uh, as Van Helsing. I mean, this guy is really an amazing character. He doesn't have to do anything. He's just on an interview, and he's an amazing character. So seeing this, this mock-up CGI version was horrible. He looked like he's already dead. He did. I mean, Peter Cushing looked like he was ready to die. This character looked like he was already dead. But worse was the voice. I mean, Frank Caliente, uh, Rich Little, they should have hired the best voice impersonator ever to get Cushing's voice down because Cushing had an extremely distinctive voice. And so every time I heard that voice, it just threw me out of the movie. And you do not want that. You do not want to be thrown out of a fantasy science fiction film. You just don't. So I hated Peter Cushing. I hated the the mock-up of Peter Cushing. I would have rather not seen him in the film, though he's kind of a necessity. But, I mean... Uh, I, I love that he came in and provided that imperial aspect to it. I did not realize that it was CGI because, like I said, I my relationship with Star Wars is such that I've watched all the films. I watched them when I was younger, but I didn't at that time pay attention to names and actors and that type of thing. So I didn't realize that the actor was dead. To me, he just came across as a very snooty British actor, like on Game <laughs> of Thrones. And so afterwards, I learned that it was CGI, and I... Because I wasn't expecting him to be CGI and because I didn't realize that he was dead, I didn't wasn't even thinking about it. It wasn't until after the movie that someone that someone had pointed out that he was CGI that I went back and I was like, oh, OK. But, Craig, what did you think of Vader and Krennic before I go to Dwayne? OK, well, first I was going to say, go, go to YouTube and listen to Cushing say charming to the last. That's his big quote with with a princess, like, charming to the last. It's. It's so, so amazing and so classic that that'll say, show you exactly the difference between real Cushing and, and the fake one. Krennic, for me, he's the weak spot in the film. He is truly the weak spot in the film. I'm not real sold on him being, being a, a, a classic major 
Star Wars villains. So uh, he was okay. See, his performance was fine, but he, he seemed weak. What did you think of his scenes with Vader? I mean, it was one of the best lines. Now, granted, I'm paraphrasing this, but it was basically Vader chokes off his, so he chokes him up so he can't talk oh, yeah. using the Force. And <laughs> Vader's like, don't choke on your ambition. And it was yes. like, that was the, probably my favorite line yes. in the film. The only thing, of course, James Earl Jones. Once again, James Earl Jones belonged in the first film. He's belonged in the entire series. I mean, his voice as Vader, there's nothing. There's nothing more powerful in the history of cinema than than James Earl, uh, James Earl Jones's voice as Darth Vader. I mean, that, for the rest of my life, it's going to give me shivers up and down my spine. So that part is amazing. Uh, for some reason, it didn't look, Vader's supposed to be at least six foot eight. This character did not seem six foot eight to me. He looks he looks short. I mean, you put him next to Tarkin, and Tarkin's supposed to be six one. Uh, Peter Cushing was actually six foot. Um, uh, Prowse, the guy that played David Prowse, I think the guy that plays Darth Vader is six is that that tall, like six eight. So he's supposed to be Vader. Anyway, Vader's supposed to tower over everybody, showing this ominous sense of the dark side of the Force. I didn't get that in this film. That did take a little bit away from me. Is why I'm not rating this, uh, you know, a five. Let's talk about that for a second. The actor who played Anakin in the prequel movies was not that tall. Well, yeah, but he had all that surgery done on him. His legs were gone and everything, so he had all this surgery on him. So when he when he wore that when he put on the uniform, he was massive. Partly because he had to have his body completely rebuilt. Remember, there's no there's no part of Anakin's body that that is normal anymore. He is completely gone. His legs are burnt off. His arms are burnt off. Everything has to be artificial. So he is he okay. is one. I'll give he's basic. He's basically. A, I'm sorry, Luke. I'll give you that. He's basically he's, a cyborg, which is probably why he's so he's so massive because he is a cyborg. So yes, the actor is not that big, but the Darth Vader character, which is all pretty much has to be pretty much all artificial which is interesting because remember only his brain is operating the force it's not his entire body so that he is really strong with the force luke <laughs> okay i had to say i had to say that <laughs> Dwayne, what did you think of the three villains so i like you didn't realize that that it was a cgi of peter cushing until the very end of the I'm scene die. where he's talking die right now no where where he's talking where he's talking about taking over the project after after it worked some of the mouth movements didn't didn't make sense to me and so then i was like oh okay i think that's cgi and so so I, I went back and confirmed that. But it it's yes, I, I am not as well versed in the catalog of Peter Cushing's career, so I didn't have that frame of reference and it has been a while since I've seen a Star Wars film. So it's it, it didn't jump out to me the way it did you, Craig. And and I, so I, I wanna ask you something, Dwayne, because I disagree with Craig a little bit on uh the Krennic character. I get what Craig's saying about him not necessarily being as impressive of, as of a villain, but on the other hand, I sort of looked at that him as a, one of those aspiring villains who was a, yeah. maybe an outsider whose whose ambition is such because maybe he was a poor boy who got in because he was smart and mm -hmm. got good grades, and now he's trying to prove himself so that he can be in the top leagues of things as the storyline yeah. developed i didn't expect him to be a top line villain the way craig was expecting him to be i thought that the um, his story of ambition 
was a good story. What did you think? Thanks for take stealing my thunder, Luke. I really Sorry. appreciate that. That is Sorry. that is actually the exact assessment that I would have with the Krennic character. He seems like middle management. He's aspiring to be the right hand of Darth Vader. I mean that that whole scene that you guys were talking about with him choking on the ambition that that that's that's the you know the the shift supervisor that wants to run the company and a, he he makes mistakes he's letting you know constant delays and and backfiring in the uh in in the construction and all this sort of thing he he wants to be this villain and he's not that villain he he's yeah, i mean even the even the scene where he ends up kind of confronting galen I forgot the guy's name, Galen, uh, about about the the leaks. He just doesn't seem like a bad guy, you know, a a villain as as you expect a villain in a Star Wars movie to be. He's not Vader, and and he's, you know, when you're when you're up against Va- Darth Vader as kind of the villain, I, I suppose anybody's going to pale in comparison. But he, he he's definitely just kind of the the middle management sort of sort of villain. And sometimes there is nothing more dangerous than middle management. Forget the CEO. <laughs> sometimes there's nothing more dangerous than middle management. Well, okay. In preparation, in preparation for this podcast, I went back and watched the original Star Wars, you know, A New Hope. Okay. And every time someone made even a tiny mistake, Vader killed them. <laughs> so that's why this, this villain, I mean, I don't disagree with what you guys are saying. But rising in in a in an empire in a in a a universe where basically you succeed or die, this guy just seemed like he was he was a weak sister to me anyway. Looking back at the original film, Darth Vader, you know, you give Vader an excuse and you're dead. Even and they were all. You look at the the council with Mark Tarkin in the original film. You'll see what I mean. For those of you who are you know avid Star Wars fans like me, yeah, you'll know what I'm talking about. So not that I disagree with you guys being middle management or whatever, but it, it it could be one of those things where it's a, he, he realizes he still kind of needs Krennic to get the death star done. So there may be something there. You're right. But but yeah, something there that he's putting up with him, but wow. Yeah. I, I, I get your point though. Yes. Darth Vader has proven that he's not above killing somebody for making a mistake. And so to have him put up with constant delays and, and and uh, you know leaks and different things like that. It would seem maybe like there's a this little guy romance should... in the in the background, something you know. <laughs> so after a confrontation with Krennic, Jin, Cassian, and company decide that they're basically going to go on a suicide mission to Scarif to get the plans for the Death Star because her father had said that he left a secret plan to, to be able to destroy the Death Star. But it's of course on this highly secured planet. So they get onto the planet with their crew of rebels, the rogues, or the Rogue One. I did like the scene where they they gave the name Rogue One to their ship as they were flying out. I did enjoy that uh, a lot. They get on the planet. They infiltrate. As part of that arc of the story, we get probably one of the best space-slash-planetary battles that we've seen in film in a very long time. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I did think that it was... I, I like the scenes when they were getting into the vault. I like the scenes when they had to go up to the, like when she had to go up to the satellite to try and transmit the data. 
But I have come to the conclusion that the, whoever it is that manufactures and does the engineering in Star Wars are idiots. Because <laughs> why in the world, first of all, do you put a master switch on a beach with like a handle that you just move? Secondly, why do you put the control panel for the satellite out hanging <laughs> suspended in midair? And every time you go through the Star Wars thing with, with the gangplanks that have no railings across these giant chasms, whoever is the engineer for the Empire has no idea how to build stuff concisely. But that aside. Osher would have a field day with those guys. Blame Absolutely. the director. Blame the director. No, it's not the director. You you go back and look at all of the movies, and they're all that way. So it's yeah. part of their theme. I get it. But still, it makes no sense. It's survival of the fittest, Luke. If they're if they're not if you... smart enough not to fall off a, a you know this this small railing over a deep chasm, then you shouldn't have been working there to begin with. You guys are so. I mean, you guys are really right on this one. It always seems. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you, you just a, just the switch you flip on that thing in the ground, that's much worse for the, than the other one for me because anyone could walk in and do that. Yeah, like you know, the master switch, the it. master switch on the beach. You just leave a master switch with a with a handle that you just pull Ellen on Ewok the beach? Ellen Ewok could have done that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing on the planet. Literally on the planet. The stupidest thing on the planet. But I'm de I'm digressing from the focus of this, which was a fantastic yes, battle scene. Dwayne, what did you think of the space battle? What did you think of the ground battle? What did you think of the sh like the spaceships going into the uh, like crashing into the ring and bringing down <laughs> the protection? What'd you think? It, it's quite possibly one of the best fight war sort of scenes that that i've seen in a movie in a very long time it just everything it it had it was just constant just in your face sort of just amazing it was the the shots on the on the beach and then going back up into space there it wasn't it was back and forth, but it wasn't too back and forth. So you could keep tabs of what was going on and it made sense what was going on. And I mean, the ships looked so real. The CGI for this was just absolutely amazing. It was quite possibly just the best uh, CGI we've seen in a uh, sci-fi sort of film like this. It, it, it literally felt like you were in the middle of a World War II sort of film. It, it was it was amazing just how there was just so much going on, and it was just this visual overload of things. And and, and you'd briefly see the these characters that you knew, and and then you'd go switching off to the new uh, rebel forces that showed up in the sky, and then you'd go back down, and it it was just amazing. It was like watching a symphony and just or, and listening to a symphony and just being immersed in this giant battle that was just so well orchestrated. It it cannot be uh, uh, commended enough. It, it really made the film. Craig, I, I absolutely agree with everything that Dwayne just said. Going into this film, I was excited because while I'm not a huge Godzilla fan in terms of just Godzilla mythology, the last Godzilla film, I watched it in theaters, and the scene in that film where they have the paratroopers going through the clouds above the burning city and got, that Godzilla is in, yep. 
has been burned into my mind, and it's one of my favorite cinematic scenes just from a visual standpoint. So when we got to the fight scenes over and on Scarif, I was ecstatic because he delivered everything in those scenes that he did in Godzilla, and I really want to see more of his work in big, epic storytelling because he delivers every single bit of it. What do you think? You guys are missing the most important part of that. You're absolutely correct. But you got uh, if you hearken back, once again, I told you, I went back and watched the original Star Wars film to get the, to get the feel for this. Remember the, the, the trench battle it, um, to take down the Death Star? He must yep. have watched that a hundred times. He not only gave, gave all of that feel from the original trench battle, which admittedly was not the greatest CGI at the time. Uh, right. Lucas had to come back and redo it, but, but it was still thrilling and, and, and enthralling and engaging and all the E words that you can think of. Uh, it was, it was incredible for 1977. I mean, I was just a, you know, I was an adult, but I was still a kid. I was just absolutely taken in by every second of that. This film mm -hmm. does exactly the same thing. He went so far. If you look at uh, Gold Leader and Red Leader, he got the original actors. One guy hasn't done anything since 1970 or 78. hasn't done anything since then. They brought those guys in for their voices to, to and even their, I mean, it's still must be from the original film, but they still look like themselves from, from back then. Yeah. But he even bought, brought those guys in to give us that feel of the original film. So I am just caught up. My entire body is tingling. I mean, because uh, I'm loving it so much. Because, yes, the scenes are in, in, in just incredible. And I can't even think of a word mag, you know, magnificent enough to say how, how much that that got me involved. Um, it's like what it's like the best star Wars. There's some really good star Wars games out there and I played them and it's, it was like the battle on the beach and the battle up there was just like, what, just like one of the best of those games that I've ever played. So it had, it had all the feel of the star Wars, the best star Wars game, plus the original star Wars film, plus the original characters. And so anybody that watches that, who likes any kind of action and doesn't like it as, is on my list. I'm telling you, this, this, <laughs> this, uh, you know, I will, I will really shout them down because this is, this is, this is ultimate in cinematic uh, artwork in CGI in in battles engaging. Um, I mean, it, it just was, it was just thrilling. Every single second was thrilling and I knew it was coming. I expected it, but he blew it away. Even in my own mind, my expectations were so high, so over the top, that that he, he exceeded them and that's that's you guys know you guys know me well enough to know that that is really something when you exceed my expectations mm. which some of the recent films have not um horse awakens didn't the uh, star trek beyond didn't they were much less than i expected this one went way beyond uh what i expected and so i was uh, luke's criticisms notwithstanding i was really really caught up as you could, as you might be able to tell, not that. Well, I'm... Be before we get to the finale, which spoiler alert, everybody dies. Um, <laughs> everybody dies. <laughs> let, let's talk and, a little and bit. They, of... And they get the plans out. Yes, they, they get, get the plans, plans did, out, which is did. where I... that was spoiled in 1977. So. Which, which yeah. is where I'm headed next, because the other major CGI scene was the fact that we got to see Princess Leia. Now, 
this was the scene that took me out with CGI because yes. I don't have a problem with them putting Princess Leia in. They could, they probably would have been better served if they just used a profile backshot of her so everybody knew who it was and then used the right voice. But when they cut to her face, and I get why they did it, but I still think it might have been a mistake, the face was so porcelain-looking and so... There was a CGI element to it that just didn't feel right. I get why they did it, but I think they would have been better served to just have a profile. What did you think, Craig, real quick? Oh, before I, I thought it was 100% better than... Uh, 98% better than Moff Tarkin. You can't be 100% better. Um, <laughs> it was, but it was, yeah, it was, it, was, it was still terrible. They should have... I don't know why they can't do character, you know, face mapping like they do. I think you can actually do that. They I think they're going to start. I think that it would be it would behoove Disney for these big franchises like the Marvel franchises and the Star Wars franchises. They should go through and face map all of these people in these roles and just have them on file. Yeah, I mean, I there are scenes in the original film that they could have taken her face and and naturally and just made the lips made the lips be cgi or something like that okay uh you see that and it's per, it's pretty good some of the stuff just even on tv commercials is pretty good that's what they should have done because this looked it looks like it looked like a plastic mask the mask is more than just cgi tarkin was awful he was terrible from the original peter cushing and this one was this one was not as bad but it was still like it it tended to take me out of the film. And again, you don't want to be taken out of this kind of film. So, uh, yeah, it was, but I don't, I don't agree with you. I don't think they could have done, I think they had to show a face. They just could have done it a lot better. But, and that being said, we're talking about billions and billions of dollars or I'm exaggerating. I'm being hyperbolic now. I wasn't before, um, million, hundreds of millions of dollars are going to make with this film. They could have afforded to do something a little bit better. I think like getting a voice actor for, Cushing, but yeah, I, I 100%, and this doesn't happen often, 100% agree with you, Luke. Craig. Dwayne, what do you think of the CGI, uh, Leia's CGI face? I actually wanted to ask Craig, as somebody who's seen Star Wars recently, I, I was thinking that they just maybe over-beautified Princess Leia, because I, I was thinking that, you know, back in 77 when Carrie Fisher was doing this, that she probably looked really close to that. Do you do you think that maybe they just went a little over the top with, with, with beautifying her? Yes. She, 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 she is a very attractive woman. She is a very attractive woman. She was as princess Leia, but she wasn't, she wasn't knocked down, drop dead gorgeous. She just was, was a very attractive woman. And they, they made, they tried to make her look really beautiful in this. It's probably satisfying the fanboys and too much. <laughs> You're right. I felt like she looked like a geisha. Yeah, yeah, I can there, see that. There, there was an element where because the how the CGI came across, it's like she's a geisha. Not that she had her face painted white, but the way they did her complexion and the way it was also smooth, it it was just it felt that way to me. But right. that brings it, us. It it, oh. it it didn't feel real then at that point, and then no. when it starts to not feel real, then it starts to like what the heck just happened here, and then it takes you out of the film. I, I didn't. Well, I, I knew. I obviously you you see the face. You see that it's that it's Princess Leia, who, who you assume it is when it when 
when when when they open the door and you see her back and and you I almost didn't expect that they would show her face, but then when they did, I was just like, wow, that definitely a CGI version of of, of Carrie Fisher because she doesn't obviously look like that now. I was just I guess surprised that they showed the face and and it didn't it, it didn't look real and maybe with us maybe you know 150 years now from now when when like six generate or you know several generations after us see these movies they won't they won't even notice a difference notice it. but okay well, well six bring... generations from now they'll redo it so that, so that it's real <laughs> it won't even take six generations you yeah, realize I know. star I... wars disney is going to reboot this entire thing in about 60 years if disney's um, listening i want the original star wars films the way they were on the VHS tapes, the original VHS tapes, and the new and the new versions by Lucas and everything else, and I will buy it. I don't buy Star Wars stuff. I will buy that one if you give me the original three films. <laughs> um, that brings us to the big finale, which, like I said earlier, spoiler spoiler alert: everybody dies. Yes. Which, for me, in this film, actually made this film more powerful because it told a story. I guess I look at it this way. Th- when you see a lot of World War II stories and you see you know what the outcome is and you you hear the big stories and you see the war heroes, sometimes the people who don't get the recognition have just as powerful of stories, but for whatever reason, it, that those can't be made public. I love that we had this story told from someone other than the Imperials or the royal families or or the Skywalkers. I love that it brought it down to the what I'm going to say, the streets. History books are written by the winners is what you're trying to say. Correct. And I love the fact that this story ended with such finality. To me, it makes it the strongest of the films in terms of just the story. Because I, I, I spent two hours living this life with these people as they're going through these trials and tribulations. And just like I know that in real life, no one ever, uh, there aren't a lot of happy endings. These people didn't get their happy ending. And for me, it made it that much more powerful. Dwayne, what do you think? I, I completely agree. It's it, it definitely makes the message or the entire film, it, it, it feels more powerful watching it when when. It, you're seeing one by one the these characters that you've you've spent the this time with, uh, you know, die. They they just they and and you know they're not. It's it, we we've gotten to the point where we just assume nobody's going to die or very few people are going to die because we're going to have sequels or we're going to have all this other thing. I also think it it really sets up if you. Think about it. It, it. it to me, at least, really sets up then that 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 first movie, the uh, A New Hope, because I mean it. It not that it necessarily needed to be set up that way, but it it now does get kind of set up that way because it it, it does. They just got absolutely obliterated. All these. It, we're we're told in 1977 that you know there's there's hardly any rebel forces left, and they're they're hoping and praying that they're going to figure out a way to kill this death, this giant death star thing. They, they have these plans and they just have to figure out how they're going to cobble together enough people to try and, and, and foil this plot. It, it, it now really feels that way 
I, I didn't know I needed it to feel that way, but now it does kind of feel that way. Yeah, it just does make the entire movie so much better that we we feel like there's loss. We feel like there's going to need to be just this heroic sort of situation happen that we need this hero to come along, this Luke Skywalker to come along to 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 help us to help the the rebel forces. So I completely agree. It, it definitely made the movie better. Craig, as my writing partner, you and I have had many debates over the years about killing off characters, and you know that I prefer to kill off meaningful characters. You are yes. not so much a, you are not so much a fan of that. You and I have discussed this before the podcast. I know that for your brother, this was that totally ruined this movie for him. But what did you think of how they did it? Because over the years, the arguments we've had about killing off characters, I want to have important characters killed off in a meaningful way. To me, they did that with this film, and they executed it flawlessly. What did you think? Well, first of all, yes, we've had arguments because you tend to kill off characters gratuitously. Characters that... (laughs) I want meaning... Well, they might... You would have killed off Darth Vader in the first film, in other words. No, I wouldn't (laughs) have killed off Darth Vader. Yes, because that has an emotional impact. It would have. Yes, you you have Not quite that bad, Craig. You have killed... You you would have killed off um, Spider-Man's girlfriend in the the Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's what you would have done, which I thought was a horrible mistake, and that's... So yes, I'm exaggerating a bit. Everyone out there, I'm being a little hyperbolic, but that's but that's true. Everyone's there is a character, character that both Craig and I love that we've been ri- writing about for years <laughs> that I want to kill off, and he yes. does not. And we have no. not come to a conclusion on that. But anyways, what did you well, think of this film? We have come to a conclusion. Luke just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> Luke would have Luke would have been the guy that killed off Jon Snow and not brought him back. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and that but might no, have actually this... made it a better series but keep going gratuitous killing of characters there's nothing gratuitous about that this is a tiny number of people fighting the greatest empire in the history of mankind uh or humankind sorry humankind uh fighting against the the greatest empire in the history of humankind uh, one that's so evil that they'll destroy a planet just to prove a minor point which happened with alderaan so you've got the desperate attempt feeble group of people that basically have have just no hope uh which of course is why i'm saying that new hope comes up after uh and that's what that's what Dwayne was saying it just set this up beautifully they managed to get the one thing the one tiny little key once again even after this is all over and everybody's died to get this tiny piece of information the next movie they're going to have to go through hell to get it to the right people so they can actually use the information that they discovered in the first movie. So this was it. Uh, so everybody dies for a tiny desperate piece of hope that goes into the next movie. And so it's right. It's, it shows that, that we, uh, that men, humankind will, will do their best to overcome all, all odds to do the right thing. And it's very hard. And there are all these opportunities for people to do the wrong thing in this movie. They managed to continue moving forward and saving the lives that needed to be saved. And, and so the death at the end was fine with me, uh, because it pretty much had to be none of these people that are dying shows up in the next in the next film so they all had to die i hated it but i but i'm okay with it because it pretty much had to happen the only one that bothered me really bothered me and that is because androids can live forever is when they killed off the 
the the android that bothered me because they can for all intents and purposes live forever with new uh but anyway yes cheer it and the android bothered me the most yeah so uh, um yeah it's so i totally get you luke in but yeah this one this one had to be so didn't bother didn't take me out of the movie at all that brings us to our ratings for this film and our rankings i'll go first i'm giving this a 4.75 out of 5 it is my favorite star wars film i love the fact that it was a compact story i love the ending I loved what they did by killing off everybody. This film resonated with me. Just the characters resonated. The relationships resonated. The action and the fighting was fantastic. The only reason it's not getting a five is because of Princess Leia's face. Dwayne, where would you rank it and what what would you rate it? So I probably would give it right about that. Four, four and a half to four, four and three quarters stars. It was probably my one of my top two or three probably top two star wars films it just it was so so well done it was it, it was unexpected i guess i i wasn't one of those people that was anxiously awaiting this movie to come out i wasn't so either it, so it absolutely surprised the heck out of me and so pleasantly so that it that i I am, I am so glad that I got to see it right away, and I definitely am going to see it again. As somebody who doesn't isn't as big a Star Wars guy, I was not expecting that I would say that. But I, I definitely want to see this at least one more time in the theater, and, and this could be something I might I might even buy eventually as well. This movie for me is equal to the rebooted Star Trek. The Force Awakens, I went to that. For me, I didn't have any feelings regarding the characters. I loved being able to see Han Solo and Leia. Those were the most meaningful mm-hmm. moments for me. But for the rest of the film, it was just another space opera. I didn't have a connection. I had I had no desire to watch that film again, either in theater or buy it on a DVD. This film, like you, I will be going to watch again, and I will be buying it on a DVD just the same way I bought Star Trek. Craig? What out of five stars? What do you give it, and where would you rank it on your list of Star Wars films? I'm actually shocked by your yours, because I know you loved the new Star Trek reboot. The original Star Trek reboot got five out of five for me. I own it and I watch it multiple times a year. Well, I thoroughly enjoy that movie, and I would put this as far as Star Trek. I would put this above the new Star Trek reboot. I would. I thought this this movie was. I'm actually shocked that that uh, the the director Gareth Edwards. And I'm going to remember this name forever because he did such an amazing job of beating all these guys that have done dozens of these types of films. Uh, he just absolutely just crushed this one. He completely crushed it. I'm going to put it, and this is high praise, by the way, I'm going to put it on uh, my number three. And I would like to know, Dwayne, what your two top two would be now. Uh, Star Wars New Hope is my absolute favorite because it broke all this new ground in 1977. Something completely unheard of, something completely new, a complete risk like this film, that that desperate attempt to do something great, George Lucas did with the original Star Wars A New Hope. He he risked something and came out with, with an amazing, amazing result. Two is going to be, is always going to be uh, Empire, Stri- uh, Empire Strikes Back, and a lot of people will say that's number one. It's my number two. This is going to be my number three. I'll never get over the, the the first. I went the first night Star Wars 1977. The first night it opened to see that and just saw it 13 times in the theater. It's my absolute record. 
13 times in the theater was out for over two over 12 months this movie i will definitely see again i am absolutely blown away by it it if it wasn't for the ewoks return of the jedi would have been better for me the ewoks knocked this knock this one into 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 third place so I'm thrilled by it. I'm tickled to death by it, even with the, all the death at the end. And I am a Hollywood ending kind of guy. I do like the Hollywood ending. I still like this one. So uh, what I what I also love about this is this has now given us proof that we don't have to have the Skywalker family in a Star Wars movie for me to want to see it. Because like Dwayne, I was so shocked by how much I enjoyed this film that now I am willing to give any Star Wars movie that Disney puts out each I will go to it just to because they did so well with this film watching the force awakens didn't make me want to know more about the star wars universe this movie yep. makes me mm-hmm. want to know more about the star wars universe you do know that leia's know. stepdad is in this though right yes okay just so you know so i was i was just going to say for for craig's reference i i the only Star Wars movie I've or the Star Wars movie I've seen the most was Empire Strikes Back, so I would put that number one, like apparently a lot of people would. And yes. the A New Hope or this one, I I would have a hard time choosing which I liked better. Like you, Luke, I definitely liked Rogue One better than I liked A Force Awakens by by a lot because as good a movie as I thought that was, I I just like you, I I. I want to now go and watch some of the other Star Wars movies again, just to just to specifically feel how that bridge now feels. Whereas I didn't necessarily like, oh, I want to go back and watch the original four or three to then see how A Force Awakens fits in as the next step. Yeah. As always, you can find us at Geek Confidential on Twitter and Facebook, twitter.com slash gkconfidential, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Craig, where can they find you? At Z Movie Maniac. Now, Dwayne, since last time you were on the podcast, I understand that you've taken up streaming of Hearthstone. So where can they find you on Twitter and on Twitch? Yes, I, I started about a month ago. I'm streaming a couple nights a week on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash Death, which is the name of my character in World of Warcraft. It's M A G E A. D-E-A-T-H. And then they can follow me on Twitter as at Deckholm, D-E-C-K-H-O-L-M. And I'll, I definitely do lots of linking to when, or announcing when I'm doing Twitch streams on Twitter. So that's probably the best place to find me. Maybe one day we'll have to have we'll have to stream you and I playing Hearthstone because I am terrible at Hearthstone. I tried playing it a couple times so I could try and get the mount. I only needed three wins so I could get the mount in World of Warcraft. Did not win three games and never and never went back. So I'm like, even I've done that. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I we it might need to be a Hearthstone for Dummies stream. Dwayne, we'll have to, to we'll have to touch base on like, that sometime in the new year. Sounds but, good, Luke. Well, we can get unt- you those three wins. There you go. Well, until next time, you can comment on this episode at uh, geekconfidential.com. We thank you for listening. So long. See you next time. See you around.